Be Quan, cut the music. We are back. Episode four of the Six Inside podcast. We got the usual crew plus a special guest for this week. Not going to reintroduce everyone. If you don't know us by now, you probably should. Go back, listen to episodes one through three, Spotify, Apple, wherever you get your podcasts. So we are, once again, focusing primarily on March Madness today. However, before we do that, we like to get into breaking news. And the NFL is back. As of about an hour and 50 minutes ago from when we're recording this on uh, March 17th, the league year has started. And there were a lot of pretty big moves that were made none bigger than Andy Dalton to the bears. So uh, let's go ahead get it started with that. Schultz, what do you think of Andy Dalton to the bears? What does that mean for them? Well, as the bears hype up their off seasons, like they do every year, this is another move that doesn't make me scared at all for the Chicago bears. It's the first time I think I'm going to publicly say that I'm not afraid of the bears, but I usually just keep it low key because I don't like my words come back to me. So now I have a public forum to have words come back to me, but if Andy Dalton's the reason why the Packers don't win the NFC North this year, I'd be pretty surprised. Um, I don't think – I think he will definitely make them maybe into a more of a playoff caliber team than whatever that playoff team was this past year. Uh, I think he's definitely better than whatever the Bears had going out there this past year with Trubisky and uh, Foles. But in the end, Dalton's not going to put them over that hump. I don't think they're going to get that much better with him. Uh, at least not in my opinion. I don't think that offense is going to be scary. I think the defense is still going to be solid like they have been. But in general, the Bears are still going to be the Packers' little brother. So, I think Same obviously if you're a, a Bears fan, it's frustrating because of all those talks about getting Russell Wilson or Deshaun Watson and then you end up with Andy Dalton. I can understand the frustration there, but – I honestly don't think it's a bad move. Uh, I agree he's way better than Trubisky or Foles would have been next year. Maybe they even draft a guy in the in the draft this uh, upcoming month or so. Yeah. But I don't know. I think he's had proven success uh, in Cincinnati. I mean, he took those teams to the playoffs and, like, they don't even try to win. So – it's uh, it'll be interesting to see. They got to definitely bolster up the O line. He's a quarter, a good quarterback when he's behind a good O line, and luckily they kept Allen Robinson around for now for him. Um, but they got to get some more weapons and bolster up that O line if they're going to do anything this year. Definitely. So moving on to another team. No, that- I want I want to hear a hot take. Yeah. He's a Bengals fan. I want to <laughs> hear the true. hot take off this. Um, I love Andy Dalton, although as a person, I love Andy Dalton. He he can be a very frustrating quarterback uh, that I had to live through for however many years, eight or nine years he was here. But as Kylie pointed out, if you give him a line and receivers around him, he'll be just fine. Um, I saw a tweet. Uh, I forget who was, who sent who sent the tweet, but, um, Andy Dalton would have had two, like, 4,000-yard seasons. He w- that would be the most in Bears franchise history. Yep. Uh, the, there is potential upside uh, with Chicago if they could put some pieces around him. I can get on board with that. I think with, with the Bears signing him, I think it is kind of funny how they once again continue to hype up everything, and then it all kind of falls apart. In the end, it kind of reminds me a little bit, 
it's a different situation than the New York Yankees. This is probably our first mention of baseball ever on this pod, but a little bit different than the Yankees, but kind of a similar idea of, oh, you know, we're going to do all this, we're going to do all this, and all of a sudden it's like, oh, we're second in the division, man, or oh, we're fizzling out in the first round of the playoffs. So definitely uh, I, I did chuckle a little bit when I saw it, but after thinking about it a little bit and, you know, the points that Hot made too, I do think it could actually end up being that, you know, the Dalton line is like if someone's better than Andy Dalton, then you can succeed in the playoffs. If he's worse, you're probably not going to make the playoffs. So you ha- literally have the Dalton line on your team now, and I think that should be enough to at least get them to the playoffs. So a team that really has not missed the playoffs for, I want to say, the last like 10 years or so, the New England Patriots decided to spend all of the money that they had, just absolutely break the bank on everyone in a unprecedented fashion. This is the, I think, most guaranteed money ever spent in an offseason by a single team, which is pretty impressive. You know, they had the top two tight ends signed with them. Who else did they sign? They picked up another uh, relatively big name there too. I know Johnny Smith. Yeah, Judon. You got Judon, you got Hunter Henry, and you got Johnny Smith. So that Mm -hmm. offense should look a lot different next year, even with the same quarterback at the helm. And Kendrick Bourne. Yeah. What do you think about them uh, keeping Cam around? What are your thoughts on that? I think that's fine. He had – he had no weapons last year to work with at all. You know, Nikhil Harry, who had a ton of ho- high hopes for it, just was non-existent. And they really had absolutely nothing to uh, get. You know, you also uh, – you trade that tackle for them. I want to say it was Marcus Cannon. Uh, you trade yeah. him to the Texans. More on them later. Wink, wink, nudge, nudge. But trade him to the Texans. Actually get a draft pick. Get, a, like, draft swaps to move up in the draft for someone that you were going to cut. I think Belichick is – doing very well this offseason to ensure that something last year won't happen again. You know, you're getting guys back too that were holding out. They have a really steady line there as well. They just got a – did they trade for a tackle too? They got uh, – shoot. They got the guy from the Raiders. Yeah. Going to look that I up. his name. Gabe Who also Jackson. then – Trent Brown. No. no what, Trent was Brown. it Trent Brown? Yeah, it was. Yeah. So you got Trent Brown now. And they had linemen too last year that stepped in for guys that were holding out and were super successful. Mm -hmm. So I think overall they'll be, they'll be a okay. There's no reason they shouldn't be in competition for top of the AFC East again, in my opinion. Yeah. They're going to be running those two tight end sets again. So it's going to be that classic Patriots offense. They have two elite tight ends now, two of the best receiving tight ends, a bunch of red zone sets that are going to be, they should be really dominant in the red zone between cams running ability and those two guys those two targets and didn't they get Aguilar too yeah decently yep. big body so I mean between that they should that offense should be pretty steady and that defense is going to be I mean I expect them to be top of the NFL like usual Patriots defense is always well coached because they have the best coach so and, and that's the thing too like they've signed so many well-known guys that we can't even name all of them right now like you know you'll get the top ones but it's like oh you forgot about this one you forgot about that one just because of the sheer number of guys that they've signed and Belichick kind of did mention this too that once cap space were to free up for them then they would be able to start their rebuild and you know quote-unquote rebuilding off of this I want to say it was seven to nine last year that ain't bad at all another team that had very high hopes last year very salty about them of course is the arizona cardinals once again making major major improvements with their most recent addition being rodney hudson from the los angeles or 
Vegas, yeah, Las Vegas Raiders for a third round pick. So I want to get your thoughts on that. Yeah, uh, the Cardinals are going to be a really dangerous team next year. Um, you add J.J. Watt, and then you get probably the best center in the league to help uh, bolster that line in front of Kyler, who had a breakout year last year, could potentially go be going for the MVP this upcoming year. Uh, I think they're going to be a much improved team, and they're in a tough division. I mean, you look at the 49ers who struggled last year, they still have most of the pieces from that Super Bowl team. They were just really hurt last year. They'll be back. Seattle will still be good. Um, I know there's a lot of controversy with Russell Wilson and all that, but I think it's mainly just blown up in the media. I think that'll be a fine situation. And then you got the Rams adding Stafford. I mean, it's a super tough division. So the, the Cardinals, I think, had to make these moves. They were already a good team last year and just missed out on the playoffs. But I think they're going to be competing for the division for sure. But since it's super tough, I think they'll be a, a wild card team next year. And I mean, I wouldn't want to play that team in the in the playoffs for sure. No, and to me, there's only really one hole on that roster, I would say, and that's cornerback with Patrick Peterson presumably mm -hmm. moving on here. But with where they're positioned at and the draft, they could, if they wanted to ch choose to go at it through the draft instead of through free agency, they are in a position where due to the amount of needs that they have, they also got AJ Green today too, who doesn't need to do much for them outside of just be a body mm -hmm. which be at, at this point at this point of his career and you know with everything that went down with the Bengals I think he could still do it I think a lot of it was him giving up but that'll be a great situation for him but like I was saying about the draft though all they really need like that one glaring hole is cornerback and outside of that they have pieces pretty much everywhere outside a corner running back and maybe tight end but mm -hmm. you can live with addressing those either through the draft or through free agency like yeah they have those premier pieces that you spend years and years building upon mm -hmm. which is pretty cool yeah yeah you get you can add really good talent through the later rounds through with running back and tight end I agree those are the other needs there but I think corner is the most glaring need but you could get a guy potentially like ETN in, uh, in the second round, you know, with the running back value going down, there's more, there's less and less uh, first round running backs unless they're just a freak. And so I think that's definitely a position they need to address in the draft. But you look at guys like Aaron Jones and Kamara, like some of the best running backs in the league are later round picks. So. Yeah. I mean, also, you just have to – one last thing before we move on. The Cardinals have one of the – they're going to have one of the best edge rushes on paper in the NFL. So, even if these cornerbacks aren't top tier, they're going to have a lot of room for, like, interceptions and forced throws just because a lot of these quarterbacks aren't going to have great uh, time in the pocket just because you have Chandler Jones, Jordan Hicks, J.J. Uh, Watt, all these guys coming at you. I mean, they, they're pretty stacked up front. Mm -hmm. So, I think that's going to make up for any lacking they have in the secondary. I mean – Besides, like, Buda Baker, they have they have room for improvement, but I think yeah. they're going to be – I think it's going to be a much improved defense from last year. That was definitely – Yeah. And, you know, if, if you're the Cardinals, too, even with that pass rush, you look to get someone like uh, Farley out of Virginia Tech or Horn mm -hmm. out of South Carolina, it really allows them – because, in my opinion, cornerback is the hardest position to develop in for 
draft picks for rookies, especially, you know, who we should have a relatively normal off season given the way COVID's going. But mm-hmm. with that pass rush, you don't really have as much pressure on the cornerbacks because like you said, Schultz, those rush throws and everything. And it can really end up masking a lot of that secondary. Like I know with the Houston Texans, their secondary was all right for the longest time, but their pass rush was really good. Once the pass rush went, then everyone realized like, okay, wow, there is no talent in the second. <laughs> Speaking of the Houston Texans, the Texans have some quarterback news, but not the one you might think. Deshaun is still on the team, but Tyrod Taylor has agreed to a one-year $12 million contract. I'll go ahead and start with this one. I am a Houston Texans fan, have been for the last 12 or so years, and I was actually feeling decent about the whole Deshaun situation. I thought, oh, you know, maybe we hold on to him, but Given the contract signing here of $12 million, granted it reaches that through incentives, that to me kind of signals that this whole thing is probably over and he's probably out the door. However, with Tyrod, there, I've read an interesting stat. This is absolutely me grasping at straws, by the way, just looking for any justification that there is a light at the end of the tunnel for us. But of the last three teams Tyrod Taylor has been on, there has been an MVP from those teams. So the last, or a very, very high quality quarterback, at least. So yeah, the Browns, he started on, Baker Mayfield comes around. You had the Bills, he started on, and then immediately after that, Josh Allen comes in, takes his job. And then this one, albeit no fault of his own, it was due to the medical staff, Justin Herbert then takes over for him this year. So there might be a light at the end of the tunnel in a year or two, but it ain't looking good for us. So... <laughs> frustrating to see it's gotten to this point but any anything else to add to that or do we want to get in the hot takes now well where are you going where do you think Deshaun's going I have I'm looking (sighs) like at potential teams and a lot of these teams that have quarterback issues kind of address them in one way or another like where do you think he ends up at this point I think Carolina Carolina to me makes the most sense I don't think to me like it's an interesting situation it's my like I do not believe any player in NFL history is worth more than three first round picks outside of maybe Lawrence Taylor. Like that's just how I view the value of players. So I think a package for him with them would look something like you give up three first, maybe two seconds and then two starting players. So Burns and not McCaffrey necessarily, but maybe one of the wideouts that they have or some other piece. I think that's what the package for him is going to end up looking like. And the only teams that can really do that, you know, you got Miami who I don't think they're in it anymore. I feel like they shouldn't be in it, frankly, with the amount yeah. of draft capital they have this year. They don't have a lot of holes on that team, you know, and I think Tua is going to be fine if you put some weapons around them. So the other one is the Jets. Uh, they could realistically do it. They have the starters to do it, but the Panthers are kind of in that mid weird middle ground that uh, I'll compare it to the Utah Jazz as of a few years ago, where they're always constantly like an eight seed, a nine seed or a 10 seed and just couldn't quite get over the hump. They have Teddy Bridgewater under contract, so he'd probably come our way but they they definitely they're the type of team that would take a chance and has the assets to do it so that's kind of what I'm gunning for I think it would be good for the Texans too uh just to make up for the amount of damage that we've done I, I don't think he's ever going to play for us again which sucks that we squandered it that much but uh is what it is man so be fun to sit through another rebuild <laughs> all right on a brighter note here, uh, we're going to bring in Hot again. Uh, let's get into some hot takes before we get into March Madness. What's up, guys? Glad to be back for the second week of hot takes. Uh, first hot take, uh, this, these are all going to be NCAA uh, tournament related. 
Uh, my first hot take, Colgate will beat Arkansas. Let me kind of explain my reasoning before I hand it over to you. First, do you guys remember the last time Arkansas was in the tournament? They played Butler. Butler. Yep. Do you remember what happened in the beginning of that game? What was it, 20 to nothing? Yeah. Yes. I am banking on Colgate to get off to a hot start like that. And then they just play Ivy League, like slow down the game basically and try and coast to a win. I'm also basing this off. I was on TikTok last night. I saw two straight simulation, like two straight accounts that had like simulation of Colgate beating Arkansas. And I'm like, that has to be destiny. <laughs> <laughs> like <laughs> two straight back to back. Okay, hot. So that that's where this take is also coming from. One last thing. This kind of reminds me of like Iowa State, like a couple like five or six years ago when they were a three seed and everyone thought they were the three seed. No one uh was picking yeah, to lose or against get upset. UAB. Yes. And then they that. blow it. Yeah, against UIB. So that, that's also what it also is feeling like to me. So what are your guys' thoughts on that? Yeah, I mean, uh, if you listen to the podcast, you know that we're pretty high on Arkansas as a collective. So I'm going to pretty much say you're fucking wrong with that one. <laughs> <laughs> uh, like Colgate, metrics-wise, they have really good metrics. They're really strong. They're 14-1 and one because they played six teams this season. And that's what – like, they haven't played a remotely good team this year so far. And that's why I'm not really too worried about them. I think Arkansas is just, like, four steps up in uh, both talent-wise and athleticism uh, compared to this Colgate team. I do agree that if they're going to win, it's going to be off of that hot start. They have Jordan Burns, who I mentioned a little bit ago. He's really, really good. And, like, if – they weren't playing Arkansas. I could definitely see them taking this game. I just – I watched a little bit of that Colgate game, and <laughs> the friend of the podcast, Keegan, he's not very athletic. He's going to get worked by uh, – Yeah, shout out Arkansas, Keegan. Yeah, these Arkansas bigs. And my – hopefully he proves me wrong just for the sake of Jack and his sister. But <laughs> I, I'm not pretty – I'm not very big on Colgate's matchup. Um. Like I said, if they matched up with a team that maybe wasn't as athletically dominant as Arkansas, but Arkansas can guard you so well, so all the way around. Um, I'll let you guys kind of take your – Yeah, I think this this Arkansas team is really solid. I don't think they're going to lose to Colgate. I'm a big Moses Moody fan. I like Justin Smith as well, and I don't see them losing to Colgate first round at all. I can see them winning by like 15-plus. So if you've listened to the podcast, you know that I've reserved my spot aboard the Razorback train. So I'm going to disagree with this one. Uh, (laughs) I've personally got Arkansas in my final four, so that would be devastating if they were to lose. But even even going off your point, Hot, um, I was at that Butler game when they went up, and let me tell you, when the Razorbacks came storming back, it was not a pleasant sight. They were coming back. And I think this team is way better than that Arkansas team was. They got a new coach. I think this team has got Final Four potential. And I think this is definitely a trap game. They may struggle at the beginning. 
uh, as you mentioned, but I think they're just way too much, way too talented and uh, like way oversized for this Colgate team. So I think it's going to end up being a, a pretty good win for Arkansas. Yeah, I, this is definitely the hardest college basketball season to scout, just given the lack of out-of-conference games for some teams and, you know, games getting canceled and, you know, who's going to get hit by COVID, who already has, who already hasn't. Um, I think all that tends to side with the teams in these larger conferences like the SEC here. You know, it's a uh, Colgate, they should have a shot, but I, I foresee – Moody and Moody and the bigs being way too much for them to handle. Uh, so I, I appreciate the Colgate love. I initially was kind of going back and forth on it. And then I looked at, you know, how many teams that they played, what, you know, how, how have they performed? And while they did well, it's against literally like Arkansas's bench, mm-hmm. essentially, maybe a little worse than that. So probably, probably worse. Yeah. Probably <laughs> worse talent wise. I think it's, it's definitely further than like uh, that UCF team versus Auburn a few years ago or whoever they face in the peach bowl. But yeah, along those lines of a game is what we're probably looking at here. Even though it's a, we're talking like it's a one sixteen, it's a three fourteen, I believe. Right. Yep. Mm-hmm. Something along those lines. But uh, yeah. I think Arkansas ends up taking it. Yeah. I mean, I thought Colgate was underseeded, but that's mm-hmm. besides the point at this point. Yeah. All right, next one. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see. But going into the next one, after a first-round upset by US or UCSB, a top-50 recruit decommitting Ty Ty Washington, and a, like players being hurt by Coach McDermott's words, and then also – post uh, or poor uh, NCAA tournament results for Creighton. I didn't realize Creighton had never been to a Sweet 16 in the Doug McDermott era. Or is that is that his name? Greg. The coach? Greg. 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 Uh, Greg. Greg McDermott era. So after all, if they were to lose their opening game, he, my hot take is he will be fired. Okay. So this is a two-parter. Uh, I mean, you sent this in our group chat. The first part, I do like US, UCSB a lot. I think if um, Creighton shows that inconsistent shot, which they've shown all season, uh, that they definitely are up on upset alert. I actually right now have them losing, but it's not Friday yet, so I, that's not ever going to be locked in until it's 12 or 1, whatever the first game is. But, okay, so let's just assume they lose. Um, I still don't think they fire Greg McDermott. He's – turn this program from what conference were they in Missouri Valley from Missouri Valley to contending to win the Big East championship every year um obviously I don't condone what he said but I think it's it's worth noting that they think whatever he said isn't bad enough to fire him on the spot or suspend him for the rest of the season he's back and he's still coaching kind of seems like the players have kind of bought in even though they did lose in the Big East championship they made it they played a really tough UConn team a lot of a team that a lot of people are having uh, as like that Cinderella, like really hot team. They beat that team. So I think between that, McDermott's leash is a little longer than maybe you're leading on. I think if they continue to underperform in the tournament, they might be looking elsewhere. But with a program like Creighton, you have to like pray to have a coach like that. And like they're lucky enough to have a coach that seems like he's a very high major talent level coach. And I mean, before this, there are talks about him taking some of these higher level jobs. Um, he's obviously going to be a candidate for one. So if you're a Creighton, you're looking, who can we replace him with? And there's not really many better options. I mean, IU's 
got an open spot right now. So if they fire him, I'm sure they'd be looking at Craig, Greg McDermott uh, pretty strong. What do you guys think, Creighton? I don't, I don't see him getting fired. Uh, I think they really got screwed last year by the tournament getting canceled. I really, really like that team. You, know, yeah, you, lose, really uh, you lose Tyshawn Alexander to the NBA, kind of technically to the NBA. Uh, he ain't there anymore, though, at the end of the day. So I, I feel like with I – don't, I don't think the comments will end up really coming back to bite him. He has shown remorse over it. He's talked to the players. I want to say it was Zagorowski coming out and saying, you know, I love this dude, love everything he's done for us. Um, I think the seat will get a little bit warmer here. But, you know, in terms of coaches in the Big East, he won't be uh, – I don't think he's even going to be in the bottom half of coaches without a seat honestly, at this point. Yeah, yeah, I think he's one of the best Big East coaches. Yeah, and I, I think the fear with him is, like, you know, you fire him and he'll go to a major school. You know, mm-hmm. Iowa State's hiring right around the corner from him. So, you like, you do not – you have that coach right there. You don't want to lose him yet here. I mean, if, you, you know, if we're having this conversation again next year, then absolutely they should be starting to have those conversations. But at the end of the day, I think he's, he's pretty safe here. Yeah, I think he's safe. I don't think he's going to get fired. I think he's one of the best Big East coaches around, and I think Craig should do everything that they can to try and hold out to him. Um, I don't think UCSB is going to be Creighton. I think Zagorowski is going to wake up, have a great shooting performance. I think Mahoney is going to do what he always does. And if Balak, if Balak is shooting well, they're not UCSB is not touching Creighton. It does really depend on that three ball, though. And Zigarowski is so inconsistent. I thought he was going to be like what – I think he might have been up for biggest player of the year, like preseason. I thought I was like, this guy's going to pop off this year. He's going to average like 20-plus a game, and he did not meet my expectations. But he's shown, he's shown flashes, specifically against Butler. He's shown flashes yeah, in that. And literally I think only he, against Butler. Yeah, I know. It's ridiculous. But if he can do that in, in this first-round game, then they'll be fine. It all depends was, on how Zigarowski He was the preseason plays. biggest player of the year, by the way. Yep. Preseason, yeah. I'm going to go on the other side of this, and I'm going to agree with this hot take. Uh, I think it's not really based off performance-wise. I think it's kind of a timeline type thing. Um, after those comments and losing that recruit because of the comments, I think if they lose early, if they were to lose to UCSB, I think it's a perfect time to kind of make that change. And sure, he may be a great coach, and he may go somewhere else, but you got to think about the future of the program. If you're losing recruits and, you know, people, if you're a recruit right now, why would you want to go play for that? And he may have gotten the team to buy back in now, but I think if they take an early exit and you're Creighton after all that drama and losing first round, I think it's a, a good time to kind of make a change and show that it's not like a systemic thing that, uh, like, Creighton University condones like what he, what he said and they're just gonna kind of throw it under the table I think it kind of makes sense to get rid of him have a fresh start and I mean he's already built up the program to be respectable they get another good name in there and I think they'd have continued success so my, my only issue about the whole getting another good name in I love Laval to death but we moved from Holtman to a coach that took his team to the tournament at what eight and 13 they didn't even go to the tournament. They they went made it to the championship. Of they made it to the championship of theirs. So that's that's the only issue I kind of have with that. But 
not, now that I think about it a little bit more, I could see a world in which this is the straw that breaks the camel's back, but mm-hmm. I don't believe it should be. I think it could be next year. And I didn't even think about it from the player's perspective. And, you know, you're taken aback by the comments. He gets you to buy back in. And then it's, you know, same shit, different day. But with that added element there. So that might make it a little bit tougher. But I'm still kind of on the belief that they should keep him for at least at least one more year than start with that. If he's gone, I'm cheering because Creighton doesn't scare me next year. Yep. That's like whoever they replace will not scare me as much in terms of how Archie Creighton comes. Miller? <laughs> Please. It could be Archie. <laughs> That's terrified. a perfect Archie. Archie, yeah. that program's going down. <laughs> I don't know. He's I better he's at a good smaller. Yeah, he's better like in smaller places. Got another hot take for us, Jacob? Yep. Yep. Last one. Um, I did see today where the all teams have cleared the protocol for. COVID or so it doesn't look like there's going to be a replacement team so going into this hot my hot take is there will be at least one tournament game where COVID determines the outcome and a team will essentially get a bye to the next round what do you guys think Uh, well I don't think I think the first part it could determine the outcome in terms of a key player being out so somebody that we kind of were talking about before Mm -hmm. we started recording was Jalen Wilson on Kansas, he's kind of like their go-to scorer when they need a bucket. He's a mismatch size-wise. He's a, like a 3-4 type player. And he has COVID, and he's out for the first game against Eastern Washington. But I think they still get the job done against Eastern Washington. They're probably the weakest 14 seed. But next, the next round, if they are playing either USC or I think it's either Drake or Wichita State, any of those teams, that's going to be a real challenge for them without that guy assuming he still doesn't clear protocol. Uh, I think that's a real issue. And did Virginia clear protocols? Yeah. Are they able to travel? Okay. Yeah. So I think another one would be that Virginia team just because they haven't really got they, – they're going to be kind of rushed. They're going to land because they haven't left yet, right? Uh, no, it, they travel on Thursday. Yeah. Yeah. So they're – like most teams are already here. So they're not here yet. They're kind of going to be rushed. They're going to be forced into things, kind of have a little – not jet lag, but like, you know what I mean, travel lag. And then – I don't know what the practice gonna, situation I, is looking like for them yeah, either. That's, that's the thing. Like, I don't know how they're going to be able to practice with this COVID scare and things like that. So, uh, in terms of that, COVID-determining outcomes, just changing teams' routines, I think yes. Game-wise, I think it's going to be really tough for the NCAA to cancel a game at this point. I don't know if they'll go full NFL where there's like, yeah, 10 players have COVID, but we're still playing this game today. Uh, like we, we just saw, <laughs> we just saw Des Bryant hug seven people and he has COVID, but we're, we're playing this game. No contract tracing here. But I do think, I don't think they're canceling games. I think they're going to kind of commit to this bubble. And as long as the players are in that bubble, I think that's probably fine, but who knows? So with Virginia, they are, allowed to practice before Saturday's game, but won't be able to do any team activities before quarantine ends. So their quarantine ends on Thursday. Friday. So yeah. or Thursday at like 1115 yeah. at right. So they can practice Friday and then they'll fly, get a shoot around sometime on Saturday. And that'll kind of be it. Players can individually do shooting uh, zoom reviews, whatever, but they cannot be organized as a team until a day or two before the game itself. That's makes them even more upset prone. Yeah, for Ohio and Jason Preston. 
I think that's going to be a very, very popular upset pick. Yeah. It's one of those 413 ones as well. But I, I'm assuming that'll be, let's see, according to ESPN right now, looks like 77% picking UVA. So about a quarter of the people are picking that's Ohio really here. I mean, Ohio can't play defense. Yeah. That's like their main thing. They they play awful defense, but their offense is top yeah. notch. So. It's one of those flavor of the month upsets. So yeah, I'm excited. That that'll be a fun game. Yeah. That's I'm excited. For I that. I agree with everything that Schultz said. I think uh, there's not too much to add on, but just another team I'll point out. Uh, Oklahoma just lost one of their best players, mm-hmm. Davion Harmon, to COVID as well. I think it kind of comes back to that. Uh, maybe your players missing or not enough practice for a team that affects the result of a game. Um, I don't necessarily think any game will get canceled just based off the bubble, but you never know. We thought the conference tournaments were going to be safe and there was a few games that got canceled there. So we'll see, but I don't envision any games completely getting canceled. Yeah, I'm kind of on that same boat. I think it'll be the practice thing that'll potentially cause an outcome or a guy has COVID, comes back, and he's still not right. Um, I know that's happened a few times. I want to say it was Jimmy Butler got the shit kicked out of him by COVID in the NBA and said, like, you know, this is this is for real. So I think an outcome will be affected, but not in the way you said. So not a buy necessarily, but due to like, – like an injury like the way an injury would affect something or playing on the second end of a back-to-back. I, I think along those lines, it, it will have an effect. And, you know, this is, fingers crossed, knock on wood, this is the only year that we'll deal with something like that. So. Yeah, hopefully. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean. Fingers crossed. It's, uh, we're leaving 2020 and 2021. Mm-hmm. So, uh, is that it for hot takes for this week? That, that's all I got. Awesome. Once Cheers, again, always. thank you. Appreciate thank you. it. No, thank Shout you out. Hot. Shout out. I'll see you guys soon. Shout I'll out. See you soon. All right. Bracket time. Bracket time. Oh, the madness. For part, yeah. So for this part of the podcast, if you're watching it on YouTube, you'll be able to watch us fill, fill it along. But we're just kind of going to go through the bracket, fill one out, just over Zoom between us five, hopefully, or us four, kind of get a consensus. Probably won't, but. We'll try to get as close as possible to a consensus and just talk over any overseeded, underseeded type teams, teams that we think might be upset worthy. Uh, and yeah, let's, we're going to start in the top left if you're on ESPN or anything else. So that's the West if you're just listening. So that's Gonzaga's bracket. And you can click Gonzaga the first round, yeah. I'd say. No doubt. And then, so this next one, Kylie kind of just mentioned was that, uh, uh, Davion Harmon situation with Oklahoma and Missouri. So I think before that, I was having Oklahoma go through that first round. I thought their team was just a little, little solid. But I think Missouri, with Davion Harmon out, I think Missouri's probably got the edge for me now. I think it's still going to be a really close game. What do you guys think about that one? Yeah, I think I totally agree. I think it's going to be a battle. I think it's going to be a really good game. Um, I picked Mizzou before I even heard that the Oklahoma guard was out, and I'm definitely going to stick with Mizzou. Um, I think the guards on their team, Xavier Pinson and Drew Smith, are tough, and I think that they're going to beat Oklahoma first round. Yeah, so I think we're – are we good with Missouri then? What do you think, Kyle? 
I was high on Oklahoma, um, but Davion Harmon was one of the reasons that I was high on Oklahoma, and he's out for two games at least. So even if they were to win this game, I think they would have gotten smacked by Gonzaga. So I think Missouri's a pretty uh, equal talent-wise team. So I think losing Harmon is definitely going to give Missouri the advantage there. First upset of the day. Ooh. Nine over eight. Sing- <laughs> that's, that's not an upset. Uh, Creighton, UCSB, I, that's the first upset that I have on my bracket. Um, I really like UCSB's roster top to bottom. I think they have that high major um, athleticism just because, kind of mentioned in the last podcast, they have those four and five stars, or not four and five stars, the high major guys that transferred. So I think they match up pretty well with Creighton. I think it's really dependent on if Creighton doesn't shoot well. And I'm just – this is me assuming it, that poor shooting carries over from a Big East championship game. That's why I have UCSB in the first round. I really like their guard, McLaughlin. I think he's going to be tough, a tough guard for Zegarowski. Uh, what do you guys think? This is my first upset of the day. But it doesn't have I'll to agree with this one here. I originally had Creighton, but when you factor in the idea that most of UCSB's players are transfers from major conference, major conferences. I think that kind of takes away the big, big school matchup problem that a lot of these, you know, five, twelve, four, thirteen games run into, where the major conference team is just way bigger, and even if they are struggling, you know, they can power through and win the game just based off their size. So, I think UCSB has that size to be able to compete and like you said Creighton it all depends if their shooting shows up or not which you know being in a a big stadium not that many fans um, and it's probably going to be a new one unless they're playing at Hinkle it'll definitely be an adjustment for uh, a team that already struggles shooting yeah anybody is anybody in love with Creighton I, I like Creighton. Yeah. I think okay. they can lose. I do like obviously they can lose to anyone. Lost to Georgetown. Lost to Butler. But I think with if Zigaraski, he he's the like he's like the spark plug. If he can play well, that whole team will play well, and I think they could beat anyone. And they're dangerous if he plays well. That's that's the thing that's gonna bring them like bring them far in the tournament for me. I agree. I think whoever. In my opinion, so I picked Creighton for this. I think whoever wins this round will end up in the Sweet 16, whether it's Creighton or UCSB. I think either or of those teams will end up beating UVA. So I think either way, you kind of can't go wrong. That spoils my next pick, too. <laughs> uh, so, how are we doing this? Should we flip a coin? Let's flip a coin. I'll flip a coin. It's close enough. Siri, flip a coin. Heads. That's going to be the high seed. Yep. Uh, okay, so this one, I have Ohio. I think you. I think the COVID situation is going to mess up Virginia. Virginia's defense isn't up to its normal par. Uh, their offense is inconsistent. Ohio's offense is really, really good. Their defense is pretty bad. That's their biggest question mark. But they're coming up. They are super, super hot. If you want to talk yes. about a mid-major that's really hot, this is the team coming out of the MAC. This is the conference that I mentioned um two podcasts ago or last podcast i don't remember uh ohio is awesome i we watched them play against buffalo and i think they're i think they're the real deal i think they get this upset done this is the 13-4 that i really like yep jason preston it's all you gotta know from ohio he's a dog he's a scorer and i don't like virginia's team at all 
and I like Ohio. I'm going with Ohio. So I went. I'm the only one that went Virginia, just because I think they can end up pulling it off. They've played better opponents, so it's kind of playing into that COVID year. I think if this were a regular year, I'd probably pick Ohio, but it's kind of going the opposite way of the COVID thing, where like obviously they're sick and that's going to hurt them. But either, either I I could see this being a coin flip game again. Unlike the other, I feel like the other 13 fours are a lot more clear cut than this one. I agree. All right, USC versus Wichita State or Drake. So I guess first part of that is Wichita State or Drake. Uh, I have no idea. I think Drake, Drake. should get the job done. I don't I like really Drake love too. Wichita State, but I think USC is better than either of these teams. Mobley, neither of these teams can cover Mobley, and that's, I think, going to be the difference in this game. I agree. I also agree. Yep. All right, we'll move on. Can, can, I, we don't need to talk about Kansas. No. Kansas win is going to win that. Yeah. <laughs> watch, watch them lose. Yeah. This will be the intro next. This will be the intro next podcast. Kansas is going to win. Yeah, we're going to be exposing all of our. Bad <laughs> I know. I like it. Uh, I like Oregon in this a lot. I think they play similar styles, VCU and Oregon. I just think Oregon's the better team. So I think style-wise, there's not much difference between the two. So that's kind of my my vibe. So happy VCU is just a consistent face though and there's, I, yeah. there's just something about that school man i don't know why it's shaka shaka uh, vcu's defense kind of scares me yeah i could see that game being close just because vcu's defense and not oh i think it'll oregon be close. struggling scoring but i have vcu winning on that side but i could see oregon obviously pulling it out i've got oregon oregon i have oregon and then Go Ducks. Iowa is probably going to smack on Grand Canyon. No doubt. So. Iowa's going to win by 25-plus. So, just kind of taking a look, I think we're only going to do the first round yep. for picks. But just kind of overall in the West, you look at Gonzaga as the one seed. Um, all the teams that we mentioned having COVID issues happen to be in this bracket. Um, Kansas. Virginia and Oklahoma, all currently the only teams with COVID issues, all are in the West. I think that is going to kind of weaken down the opponent. And I think uh, Gonzaga out of the West is probably going to represent the Final Four. I agree with that. All right. Are we going to go? Let's go south. Let's go south, I would say. Yep. Yep. Let's do that. All right. We got to the right hand side. This is Baylor's bracket. Yep. And so I think Baylor's that's the way it's going to play win. out, too. Baylor's going to win, yep. This uh, is a I like North Carolina. I, Jack and I were in the building for Wisconsin, Iowa, and Wisconsin can't score. Wisconsin does not know how to score the ball. It's really bad. It, it's, um, it's unlike any team, team to watch. It, it is unlike any offense. team I've seen. And yeah. Like, I'd I think say North Car- I mean, that's just Wisconsin basketball. Yeah. It's just bad when they don't have good players, which they yeah. really don't. So I think North Carolina's playing really good ball right now, also. And yeah. I think I think Garrison Brooks and yeah, Bay Garrison Cotter. Brooks and Baycott are going to dominate Potter and Rubers, yeah. and then it's going to be whether or not Demetri tries can carry, and they won't be able to. All right, uh, I think this is going to be a unanimous upset here. Winthrop, Winthrop. I yes, I mentioned them last yes last podcast. They're I think they're really good. That's all I have to say. I'm and going Nova. Nova, still. you're going Nova. I'm still I just, going Nova just for this round. Awful. Just for this round, I agree. They look absolutely horrible, but I think Jay Wright should be able to coach them through at least this round. 
Don't My dad would appreciate that pick, Age. Coaching and, coaching and JRE, I think, should be enough to get them through here. But I wouldn't you be think? surprised, once again, if it went the other way. Regardless, though, yeah. they're, they ain't making it past next round. I think worst-case scenario over. for Nova – I think worst-case so- situation for Nova is that JRE gets in foul trouble because yeah. of Burns, that big the, guy. They're on done at that, that I mentioned. They're then done they at that point. Because so, you can't lean on Justin – more or any of those guys all right purdue north texas i think purdue's taking this but north texas's offense is pretty nice and they beat that western kentucky team i was really high on so i wouldn't be shocked if they lost covering my bases here but i like i do like purdue in that game i think ivy's gonna is turning into a star and it's only gonna build in march and they're gonna have a major home court advantage yes yeah i like beast I like Purdue here a lot. I don't think North Texas is going to have any idea what to do with uh, Edie, 7-4. So, I think, you know, you look at the f- last few years, um, other than, I guess, that Elite A Purdue team, but this is a Purdue team that being kind of in that 4-13 situation has struggled before. Uh, one that's coming to mind is Little Rock when they played them. Mm-hmm. Yep. But um, I think I think they're too good to lose this game. Yeah. I think we can move on. I can get a more with that. Uh, this game is a little – I've been back and forth on this game a lot. I like Utah State's size to really challenge Texas Tech. I think Keita is going to be a menace in the mm-hmm. – inside for Utah State. I like Utah or Texas Tech's guards a little bit more, so I think they end up getting the job done in this game. But I think it's going to be a bloodbath. It's going to be probably the best 6-11 match, I'd say. Uh, I'm going Texas Tech here, but it's really close. Yep. I run back and forth on it. I'm currently sitting on Utah State. Could change by the time it comes around. I'm not as big on this Texas Tech team as teams in the past. That could just be because they don't have any big NBA draft guys, but... Aaron Shannon. I, yeah, kind of. Um, I don't know. I I currently have Utah State, but it's a coin flip again. I like Texas Tech in this. Um, I really like McClung, and I really like Terrence Shannon. Um, I think Terrence Shannon is, should be an NBA prospect. He's got good size. He can shoot. Uh, he's a great scorer. And I think he's going to – He's a, he doesn't even start for Texas Tech. He comes off the bench. But um, I think Texas Tech is going to take this one. I think if – I think um, I like Texas Tech here, but I think if you're a betting person, uh, look for Utah State to cover. Yeah, I agree. It's going to be close. Jack just said he, he loves those players because he doesn't know anybody on Utah State. That's why I said that. I know uh, the big we, guy. Yeah, because I told you about him. Uh, we <laughs> already talked about Arkansas. We can just put them through. Uh, Florida – I you know how I stand on Virginia Tech's fraud asses, so Florida oh, all the way. You know more with that. Be a cool story too with them, uh, with what they dealt with at the start of the season too. Yeah, I totally agree. Okay, so then obviously Ohio State. Ohio State yep. Um, yeah. who do you guys like out of this? I don't like Baylor out of this as much as the public does. I think Arkansas is probably my favorite team to come out of here. Uh, if Dwayne Washington can carry Ohio State, mm-hmm. I think that could be solid. I could see I'm Purdue making Arkansas. a run here too. I could yeah. see Purdue knocking yeah. off Baylor. I think Purdue would – if they play North Carolina, if North Carolina gets that yep. upset on Baylor, I think Purdue's going to struggle with those bigs that North Carolina yep. has. But so, it's going to be the guards that set them over the top one way or the other. Yeah, I've got Arkansas coming out uh, of this region. 
But one game that I do have in my personal bracket is North Carolina over Baylor. I think same. it's a matchup nightmare for Baylor. Uh, as we mentioned a couple podcasts ago, that was going to be the only way that they'd lose early. And they have no bigs to cover what North Carolina's got. So, Yeah. North Carolina, to win that game, they need like good play out of Kerwin Walton and uh, Caleb Love. That's yep. how they win that game. Um, let's go down, bottom left. Bottom left. Michigan's bracket for you all listening. So, Michigan is probably going to win. <laughs> yep. Yep, Michigan. Uh, I like LSU. I I feel so bad for the Bonnies. They shouldn't be a nine seed. They should be a little higher. And I think LSU should probably be a little higher, too. I think both these teams are underseeded. I think LSU is pretty hot right now, though. Um, they didn't beat Alabama, but they damn near did. And – I'm really high on Alabama. So I think LSU takes this one. They match up pretty well because St. Bonnie's their best players, that Onui guy. I feel bad. I don't know how to pronounce his name. Uh, they're big. And then Lofton, uh, those are the two guys. And LSU kind of matches that with Trendon Watford and Darius Days. And then they have Javante right. Smart and Cam Thomas. I just think LSU has more weapons that gets the job done in the end of the day. I like LSU here as well. And if I'm Michigan, I do not want to play LSU especially with livers out. Yeah, yep. I, I got LSU. In, I got LSU. Or in the Elite Eight. Yep. I really, I'm really high on this LSU team. <laughs> okay. Here's a debatable I, one. I love Colorado. I know Jack already picked Georgetown because uh, he, that's what he does. But I love Colorado. <laughs> Hoyas! I'm yeah. on the Hoyas train as well. Yes, sir. Choo-choo. Yeah, I think if Colorado Georgia. wins this game, they go they go far. And if they like, but I could easily see them losing just because Georgetown like is still hot. But I think that's the anomaly was the Big East tournament, and then that was like the peak of their season, and then now they're coming down. That's just how I view yep. how the Hoyas are. Um, so I have Colorado in this game. If you guys want to pick Georgetown, I won't be upset. But I have, I, I just have Georgetown based off emotion. So I have Georgetown as well. Um, I think they're really, really hot right now. And I love their guard. Um, what is his name? Harris. Dante Harris. Dante Harris. Remember that name? He got uh, Big East most, what was it? Most uh, MOP. What does it stand for? Most outstanding. Most outstanding player for the there Big East go. tournament. And he's a freshman. He's a dog. He's a young Allen Iverson. He really reminds me of Allen Iverson. All right. Remember Jeez. him. Oh, all right. Can't bet against Colorado Colorado. The one here. Uh, Florida State, UNC Greensboro. I know Kylie said he liked UNC Greensboro. I just think Florida State's size is way too much for This UNC FSU Greensboro. team is good. This is yes. a good team, good guards, good shooting, good forwards, big guy again leading up the defense. So I, I really like this FSU team to make some noise. Right now I have Michigan beating them in the uh, uh, Sweet 16, but – I could very well see – I might end up flipping that by the time brackets end, the more that I think about, you know, the game setup watch with that team. Yeah, so I was big on UNC Greensboro. Uh, I think this was a terrible matchup for them. So, I do. I did pick Florida State in my bracket. Um, I really thought that UNC Greensboro was going to pull an upset, but I think this is just a terrible matchup for them, so – uh, next one, BYU, Michigan State slash UCLA. I, first of all, I like – so if Michigan State wins this game, the playing game, I think they will. 
I think they beat BYU. I just I don't like betting against Izzo in the in March. Mm-hmm. I know he has a few upsets on his resume, but uh, total body of work. I like Izzo to get the job done against BYU. But that being said, BYU took Gonzaga, one of our Final Four picks, to pretty much the wire. They were leading by ten at halftime, eight. So I could see them getting it done. But I like Michigan State in this game. This is a six and eleven that I think is pretty much a lock. But who knows? It's a six and eleven. I like to. I like BYU a ton here. Um, I just think that they're what whatever team. I think they'll struggle with harms. Uh, really impressive against Gonzaga too. Uh, that that to me was kind of the wake up call. Like, okay, this team is actually for real. So I I personally I have BYU going to my uh, Sweet Sixteen here. Okay, yeah. go Cougars. Go Cougars. Nah, I like Michigan State in this. I think they're gonna beat UCLA, and then I think they're gonna beat BYU. Yeah, I've also got um, the 11 seed win here. I think I think Michigan State's gonna win, but. Um, if UCLA wins, I would say that BYU will probably win this matchup. But I'm assuming that Michigan State will win, and then I think they go on to beat BYU as well. So moving on, I think Texas is going to mop the floor with Abilene Christian. So yep. send it. They got a bad matchup. I like Abilene Christian. They just they're not That's athletic great. enough to keep up with the those guys. Uh, I think we know where we're standing with UConn. That's one of the that's one of our yep. favorite teams. We got them. Yep. Yeah, I was James Booknight. Uh, I mentioned mate Maryland uh two episodes ago being a team that could potentially knock off a two seed if they were seven or ten, but I just think getting uh getting matched up with the UConn was tough and I don't think they beat UConn. And we got Bama. It's like Iona for some yeah. reason. I uh, I had wrong. to pick Iona. Uh, this is the best team that they've had in a minute, seeing as they're a 16 seed instead of a 15 seed. So that's a nice breath of fresh air. Um, I think this is the most likely of the two 15s, but I would feel very guilty if I didn't end up picking at least one sort of big upset. And this is kind of the – I have the whole bottom – quadrant of this bracket being a mess like i have byu versus uconn at the uh end of it and with uconn in my final four so you know you've got a 715 down here for me uh i don't think that's ever happened frankly um probably has i mean yeah you never know but um you would know yeah i don't know i really really like the siona team guards are good senior leadership you got patino at the helm uh not to discount alabama but you know, it's kind of guards v guards while they do have one guy on the bigger side. It's not something that I think will kind of shred Iona like other other <laughs> seeds would. Okay, well, I, I disagree. I think Bama's going to – I don't know. Wait, I think they're going to wipe the floor. Um, out of this bracket, I have no idea who's coming out. I have Alabama coming out right now. I With Livers out, Michigan's not at the top of my list of teams that I love. Um, I could see Florida – State going on that run, kind of like Aiden was saying, I think if their shooting is consistent, yeah. And then kind of what I mentioned earlier with my worries with Texas was closing out games. And that's still my worry with Texas, even though they won the Big 12 championship. Uh, I honestly think the winner of Texas-Alabama probably makes the final four in this bracket. What about LSU? I was big on LSU. I could see LSU beating Michigan. And then I think that Florida State-LSU game could be tough. 
for yeah, I mean, Florida I, State. I have LSU winning that as well. But, I mean, they're an eight seed. That's not really my go-to pick for a Final Four. They're definitely a dark horse. But yeah. I, I was saying my favorites are probably Texas and Alabama. I definitely feel like uh, y'all are welcome to disagree with this. I feel like the bottom side of the bracket's a lot more uh, competitive and open than the top side just by looking at the teams. Are you just saying like the East and the East region? Yeah. So I'm saying the East and Midwest regions are a hell of a lot more open and competitive. That, that Midwest region is like rough. That is a yeah. rough that e- region. Yeah. Looking yeah. at that East, there's yeah. three teams that I'd probably put in the final yeah. four in that division. Like, Easily. So uh, we'll move on. What do you Don't guys think? Don't be surprised if UConn makes a push. Yeah, too. that's what I was going to say. I think UConn could also be Bama. I, I have no idea. Like, that, it's tough. I got UConn in my Final Four, so yeah. <laughs> I don't um, anticipate that changing. This one, just Loyola, Chicago, Georgia. We're moving on to Midwest, sorry. Illinois, Illinois is going to win. You know, yeah, 50 <laughs> <probably>. <laughs> uh, So Georgia Tech, Loyola, Chicago is really 50-50 for me. I think Moses Wright and Jose Alvarado end up being the difference makers for them, just like high-level competition, and Moses Wright's a beast. Uh, but if he gets in foul trouble, who knows? That's kind of what we're saying. Um, but I think Cameron Crutwig, who's Loyal Chicago's best player as a center, hasn't seen that size yet. Um, he's going to – size and athleticism, so I think he's going to have a tough matchup and their Loyal is going to struggle. But if they shoot threes well, which they have all season, that's what's going to put them over the top. I like Georgia Tech, though. I like Georgia Tech as well. Yep. yep. Defense is going to be too good there. Yeah, well, I like Georgia Tech's there. defense, but yeah. Uh, Tennessee, Oregon State. I have no, still have no idea about Oregon State. I just clicked Tennessee through because I don't, yeah. I didn't want to look up. I, I like just Tennessee. I think it was a fluke because I they have a lot of NBA talent, so that's why you like them. I know that. Heck, kind of. I think they have they have that mixed with those like uh, NCAA guards that you. Yeah. Need to like like Viscovi. I think he's a pretty solid guy to lead them, and I I think they're I think they get the win as well. Yeah, I picked Tennessee. I didn't do my research on Oregon State though, so who knows? <laughs> That'll be tonight for me. Uh, <laughs> Oklahoma State Liberty. Jack and I will be in the building for that game. Yes, sir. On Friday. Kate uh, Cunningham. Yeah. I'm hoping. I mean, I'd like to see an upset in real life, but I think Kate Cunningham's going to be too much for Liberty. Just in general, their size is going to be too much. But who knows? I've got Liberty here. Uh, This was one of the teams I mentioned last episode as a team to get an upset. And I was initially initially worried with the Oklahoma State draw, but um, Liberty shoots the most threes in the country and hits um, at the eighth best percentage in the country. So I know Mm -hmm. Oklahoma State's like in the – lower 50s um, of three-point defending. So I think that's that's the way that Liberty would be able to win is if they're hitting their shots at where they have been all season. And, you know, teams like Oklahoma State have struggled, I feel like, in the tournament in the past, having that, um, you know, obviously Cade's going to be number one pick most likely. But this is a big stage, and as a true freshman kind of – as their main thing, it'll be interesting to see how he does uh, against a skilled and experienced Liberty team. I like Oklahoma State. I like Oklahoma State, it's State too. Pretty cut and dry. Even if they double him, uh, even if they double Cade, they're not playing back-to-back-to-back-to-back games against a team that just had a bye. 
like they did versus mm-hmm. Texas. And even with that game, they were still extremely competitive there. So mm-hmm. big fan of Oklahoma State. I feel like those auxiliary pieces that they have there too, or ancillary, whatever whatever the term is, uh, I, I think they'll come through, especially if Cade's doubled. All right, moving on to Syracuse, San Diego State. I think I'm going to be the only one who likes San Diego State for some reason in this game. But I've talked myself into really liking them, especially matchup-wise. They're top 30, top 30 for three-point percentage in the NCAA. And that's something you look for to beat a zone. That's how you get a zone stretched. And then they have that power forward who can kind of command the middle and play that kind of playmaking four and Matt Mitchell. So I think those two things, along with San Diego State, just always playing efficient basketball is going to kind of lead them through. If they're going to lose, it's because Bim- – Jim Beheim has his guys uh, ready because he's got obviously more of the experience. Um, but I like San Diego State to get in this game. I I think they're my dark horse for the Elite Eight, but I'm nervous to put them there because I could also see them losing this game because it's Syracuse. But I, you guys can click Syracuse through because I know you're going to pick him, pick them. So yep, this this could Syracuse. end up being very ugly. This could end up being a very ugly game. Uh, I know San Diego State when I watched them, they looked very very good defensively. Um, just a overall a solid team, but you know Syracuse once again making it when some people said they wouldn't. Uh, seeing you know the heart that that team has and the shooting that they have as well, I I ended up putting them through here. I ended up putting Syracuse through as well. All right, another game that a few of us will be in the building for West Virginia versus Morehead State. McBride. I don't think there's much to talk about. I think West Virginia gets the job done here. Yes, sir. Um, West Virginia is beating them, no doubt. Yeah, yeah that's what I just said. Uh, Rutgers, Clemson. I like Rutgers in this one. I think they're underseeded, and I think Clemson's overseeded. So, there you go. I don't. I don't think Clemson's a good team at all. I will gladly wear that if they end up winning this weekend, but it. I don't really think this will be. Good. Rutgers just needs to get the. He needs to get the ball to. Uh, Ron Harper Jr. as much as possible. That dude is so talented, and for some reason, he does not get his, enough touches. Yeah. yeah. I've got Rutgers in my Sweet 16, so. And then yeah. Houston's going to be Cleveland State, probably. Yep. No doubt. So, major uh, takeaways from the Midwest bracket who you guys got and some other matchups to look for? I mean, I got Illinois in the Final Four for me. Yep. Um, I think the Elite Eight ends up being the winner of this. West Virginia versus whoever is Syracuse, San Diego State. Uh No. So whoever wins Syracuse, San Diego State, whoever they play against West Virginia, I think that game is the game that makes it to the Elite Eight against Illinois, and then they get blown out by 50. Yeah. I've got got Illinois and Tennessee at the top side of mine. I really actually do like that Tennessee team past the NBA talent at this point. Uh, I've watched – a decent number of their games now. I don't know where it ranks upon my college basketball viewership, which isn't frankly the highest, but I just feel like there's so many guys on that team that could end up getting it done for them, especially if they face a team like Oklahoma State. But I think at the end of the day, Illinois is just going to be way too much for anyone to really handle yeah. on this on this side of things. And I have I have Illinois going to my elite eight, but then I have them losing. I wanted to be. Uh... Take a little take, hot take and try and uh, get some madness going. So I have West Virginia versus Illinois. I have West Virginia beating them and going to the Final Four. I feel like I could have filled out Jack's bracket for him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so like I mentioned, I have Rutgers in the Sweet 16. Yeah, uh, I, I, think I, they, I think that's the first I two think, seed to go down. I think they beat Houston. Um, 
they're just more physical and I think they're they're battle tested as well being in the Big Ten. But my Elite Eight, I've got Illinois and West Virginia. I think those are the two best teams by a lot in this bracket. And I've got Illinois winning the national championship. So take that as you will. So I guess uh, let's go around real quick before we wrap up. Uh, who do we have winning it as of today? Whole thing. Zags. Zags. All right. Howland. Tripling down on Zags. Right now, Arkansas. Arkansas. All right. What the fuck? I've got uh, Illinois. Illinois. I've got Gonzaga versus Illinois with Gonzaga winning by two. Yeah. I'm gonna say I'm, I'm gonna say Chili buzzer beater. Oh, I'm banking on that madness. I'm banking on some crazy stuff to happen. Uh, I'm banking on Arkansas being being that champion. I'm glad we're All here. right. As always, thanks for listening. Uh, this is another episode of Sigs Inside. Make sure to download our episodes so we can feel better about ourselves. Uh, I don't know when we're going to be recording next. Jack and I are out of the state for a little bit, but we'll see what we get done. Uh, hopefully these takes don't bite us in the ass, but I think <laughs> next week we should have a segment seeing how these takes did oh, and see. kind of reviewing them. Yep. So like always, thanks for listening and we'll see you next time.